0: Tampa Bay's Tan Talk. Entertaining and informative radio for the Sunshine
1: State.
0: They're four guys named John, Paul, George, and Ringo. Are you a mod or a rocker? Uh, no, I'm a mocker. And they've just decided, for the first time, they're going to break all the rules.
2: Where are you going, John? She does to show me a collection.
0: In the next 24 hours, they're going to throw out their schedules, ignore their obligations, and get a taste of
2: freedom. Don't move any of you. The place is surging with girls. Please, sir, sir. Can I have one to surgery, sir, please, sir? Going in then? No, she'll only reject me in the end and I'll be frustrated. And Bobby! Excuse me, the three young men I'm sitting with wondered if two of us could come over and join her. I'd ask myself only I'm shy.
1: <laughs> Just for once, let's all try to behave like ordinary, respectable citizens.
0: Films is proud to present the Beatles as you've never seen them before.
2: What mean the... yeah, that's what they all say
0: these days. Featuring an enhanced picture and a digitally restored soundtrack that's better than the original. Roger Ebert calls it one of the great life-affirming landmarks of the movies. A hard day's night.
2: Very that George. Oh, Whoa. I was trying. Yeah.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. And now for all you music lovers, it's time for your traffic report. There's a six. Oh. What is it, Scooby? Can't you see I'm broadcasting here? pile up on the tri-level got you backed up all the way to the off-ramp so if you're traveling this morning try to give yourself an extra day or two folks (laughs) hang on folks i've just been handed this important bulletin our regularly scheduled program to bring you this special report. Like live as it happens. Hey, this is Chuck Wright. You might know me from Quiet, Wright, Alice Cooper, House of Lords, and others. You're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Bang your head.
1: Hey listeners, welcome! You're tuning into Nostalgic Retro in Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. Run your computers in Google Tan, Talk thirteen forty and you can see me live in the studios here in downtown Clearwater. Don't forget to check out our website, GolfstreamMotorsports where you can find out all about us. And if you've missed any of our shows, really big show, uh, check out Nostalgic Retro Cars the com. The let's call it the archive page. Good evening, Bobby. How you doing? I'm doing pretty well. How about you? Pretty good. We got a great. Great show. We are continuing with our musical theme, our musical theme show with some well-known musical guests. And tonight we have a very, very, very special legendary guest for you tonight. So, on that note, uh, I'm not even going to tell you any car stories. I'm not even going to tell you any kind of uh, road trip stories. Oh, come on. I, you have to tell us car I'm, stories. I just want to go right to... Well, we should play a song. Why don't we do this? Why don't we go ahead and play uh one of the original Badfinger songs um let's play what did we say we we're gonna play oh that's oh yeah it's a uh our guest song our say. guest song Oops, yes, we, yes we let it out of the bag oh well okay well, so but because we want to play a couple songs okay but rainy let's, day let, man is what we're gonna play. but no, no no we're not gonna play but, that one just yet yeah, let's just play um uh get back no um God, man, you know what? You know what stinks is when my mind goes blank. Help me Uh, out here, Bobby. I this all the time. Um,
0: Anyway, we could play Day After Day. If you want
1: it. All right, let's play Day After Day. Day After Day, okay. Okay. Or you want to play If You Want It? All right, either one. Just play a few. few, I played that one last week. All right, Day After Day. Uh, Let's play a few bars of it so everybody knows. So we're segue into who our guest is, and then we'll play Rainy Day Man. Along with a few other songs from our very special guest tonight. So we're looking forward to having a super interview. This gentleman, uh, obviously, has been around for a long time. Just came off a tour, so we'll be talking about that, too. And he had a birthday last week. So here's a little Day After Day by Badfinger.
0: Jane Leno,
1: and you're listening to Nostalgic. Hey, we're tuning into Nostalgic Cars, and uh, we're delighted to introduce our very special guest of this evening. Uh, You just heard a tune called Name Man" off this gentleman's latest album, "Be True to Yourself." The album was released in 2020. This gentleman is singer, songwriter, and part of the original classic lineup of the most famous band that came out of the 60s and 70s. Out of England, Badfinger. I'm delighted to welcome to the show this evening, Joey Mullen. Joey, how are you? I'm good, Robert. I'm good. Thanks. Yeah. That was that's a beautiful song. That's a good album. Um, you know, talk about albums. Now you've done what five or six? Was I think you had uh, you released your first album sometime back in 1983 called After the Pearl, Pearl, The Pilgrim in 1992, yeah, yeah. This Way Up in 2001, and Return to Memphis in 2013, and then this song in 2020. Yeah, that's right. So now of all these... Like working? Yeah, so now of all these albums, did you are they pretty much all by yourself, or did you collaborate with anybody?
2: Uh, most of them are just by myself. Uh, I had... Uh, you know, different people have produced me. Uh, this latest one was done by Mark Hudson. And I do have some kind of famous guests on the record. Uh, uh, Julian Lennon came down and sang a bit of harmony with us. Nicky uh, Dolan came and sang with us. And uh, Jason Sheff, a singer from Chicago, uh, took uh, came over and sang a bit. And, uh, yeah, yeah, had some fun. It
1: was great. Well, now, you know, what's interesting is those names you just mentioned, you actually tour with some of these people. I think it was a couple of years ago you toured with, uh, or it might have been last year, you were here in Clearwater at Ruth Eckert Hall, and Mickey Dolans was with the Todd Rungren group and everything like that. And Mickey was uh, part of the band, wasn't he? Or part of the group that was uh, yeah, on stage was, with you. Uh, yeah, he
2: did the tour. With that was a, a. We've got this tour going. We've been doing it for a few years now. Of course, we have to. Better slide away uh, while the COVID was going full steam. But um, yeah, yeah, Mickey was in the band and Todd Runkman and Christopher Cross uh, was out with uh, Jason Sheff uh, again. And uh, we've become quite friendly over the past four or five years, you know. uh, And Todd, of course, Todd Runkman produced one of the early Badfinger hits. Oh, really? Yeah, Baby Blue was a Todd Runkman production
1: interesting interesting now we're going to get into that second but i want to say happy belated birthday because last tuesday was your birthday
2: It certainly was yeah yeah i was on the road but one time we went out the next night couldn't do it that night but we went out the next night to a uh, as it happened it was a couple of people's birthday uh uh, the the keyboard player gill uh it was his birthday. It was Todd's birthday the day after mine. Uh, so we, we went out the next night. Todd didn't come, but uh, we went out the next night and had a bit of a party in a little pub we found. It's good.
1: So you just came off the tour yesterday with Todd Rundgren. How long was that tour? Was that like two months? Two, three months? Is that how long you guys do tour for? Yeah,
2: this was the this was actually the second leg of the tour. We did, I guess, 23, 24 shows
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, in the past 30 days. And then... Um, we did we we did the first one in uh, I think it was March. March. Yeah, it was March. Um, and then we came home for a month and then we went back out
1: on this one. Yeah. So what's it like today, you know, kind of being a senior a little bit? You know, what's it like touring? Is it uh, is when you walk out on stage, do you get the same feeling you did as you did back in the early 70s when you walked out on stage with Badfinger?
2: Uh yeah. Yeah, really, uh you know, you go- you're going out there to play and to do what you love and uh entertain the people. So I still plan on doing that when I go on stage. Uh, bring the bring the energy, try and, you know, bring the songs to life. Um, you just try and do it all and it's it's all kinda naturally what you do when the minute you walk on stage, uh you know, and you just you just right at my stage of life. I'm I'm hoping and uh, praying and working every day uh, to keep my voice uh, working properly. Um, All all that kind of stuff I do, you know, I work out, uh, you know, just do all the stuff I can to keep it a good, strong performance. And, uh, plus, you know, you're playing with with a backup band and the four or five principals in the show, uh, and you want to do a great job for them as well, uh, and they want to do a great job for you too, so... It's
1: it's like a whole you know a whole gang of guys uh, working hard to bring it up you know. When when you uh, play so okay you talk about working out and obviously health good health being in good health and 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 all that stuff is great. Yeah, yeah. How about when and so what kind of exercises do you do to uh, to keep your voice in shape? I mean I'm not familiar with that. It's kind of a, I don't know if that's kind of a goofy question, but I mean if you're a singer and you sing. Uh, is there an exercise, or what? Do you, what, what kind of uh, measures do you well, there, take? You know, there, yeah,
2: yeah. There are, there, there are physical exercises I'll do. Uh, like I want to, I want to uh, keep my core good and strong. So I'm doing things like inclined sit ups and things. Uh, I've got a, a, an old solo flex that I work with uh, on, on that side of it, and also there are vocal exercises, uh, which are kind of peculiar things to do, you know. Blowing through little straws and uh, humming the notes and just exercising your vocal cords—that's uh, about the best you can do there. Uh, you're usually better off if you don't smoke anymore. Uh, things like that. I—I I stopped smoking cigarettes uh, many, many years ago now. Of course, but um, you know, so you—you've got to look after your throats. Uh, if you like to drink, uh, the drink is going to hurt your vocal. Um, so you, so you, you kind of start to cut down on certain things in your life and you just try and look after it, you know? Right, right. How about playing, that's all you can do.
1: How about playing the guitar? Now I, I know one of your favorite guitars back in the day is which is still one of mine is the guitar is a gibson sg i always thought that that was an extremely stylish guitar even though i like fender strats to me the the sg was yeah, just yeah. a stunning guitar you play that a lot so when you play now do you play with lighter strings heavier the same weight strings or how do you what do you do
2: no, i go you know you know i kind of go backwards and ball back and forth on that yeah uh, but i play with regular gauge tens uh-huh uh, most of the time yeah um yeah, it is, it is. a little different playing now. You know, you get a bit of arthritis you know, here, <laughs> uh, so it is a bit different. There, uh, uh, but you know, you do what you're going to do. You do. You got to play the song. You can't get around it. You got to play the solo.
1: Absolutely, you know, absolutely.
2: Yeah, man. Uh, S- so I made those things up. I, I I I wrote those solos that I played, and uh, so I, you know, I can play them really, really close to what they were. You know what I mean? There's uh, a little bit of uh, technique is gone, uh, just from the speed angle, you know? Uh-huh. You can't play as many notes as you do. That's not necessarily a bad thing, of course. Uh, you know, just being honest about it, yeah, you, you, yeah you know, the ability changes.
1: Well, I have to uh, question that. The reason I say that is because I notice it myself. But I was talking to a a guy that plays in a band one time, and he says, well, Robert, you know, if you're playing by yourself— Okay, and you're and you and you were really good at one time and you don't play as good as you used to, you'll notice it if you're just sitting in the room by yourself or somebody's sitting there listening to you. But when with you're with on stage with the band and all the other instruments are all playing at the same time, people get into it. You can fudge a little bit, nobody's gonna catch it. You might know it, but nobody else is gonna know because everybody's into the song and into the beat. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, that is fair. That is a fair
2: statement. Yeah, of course. Uh, you know, I'm just you know just being Skate with
1: you. <laughs> okay, no, 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 don't. Now,
2: yeah, but you're right, you're right. The, the the audience won't hear anything really different, uh, no, because you, you know you're using your loaf when you're doing it, <laughs> you know, So,
1: what now? Would you set up your guitar yourself, or do you have guitar techs do your stuff?
2: Yeah, on, the, on this last tour, I did. We had a couple of guitar techs working on that stuff, and I like to set my own guitar up because, well, I, I you know, I feel it the way I want my guitar. It's, it's difficult for somebody to set it up for me.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You
1: know. Now you play the. St- I, do. I, I see you playing a Tally, a Les Paul, and obviously the SG. Um, are your guitars all stock, or do, are they slightly modified?
2: Uh, they I'm uh, usually stock. Uh, no, I just play with like my Les Pauls, 100 percent original. So is my uh, the SG I'm playing now, which is. It. 8761 reissue. Um, my last ball is, is a black custom 82. Uh, fantastic sounding guitar. That it uh, might be one of the one of the best I ever had. Uh, I've still got my old Firebird. I've got a sixty 63 Firebird uh, that I played on the early Bad Badfinger stuff uh, and, and the first songs I wrote really in '68 was with another band called Gary Walker and the Rain. And, uh, you know, but but anyway, so answer your question, yeah, my guitars are stuck.
1: Now, it's interesting because you've come a long way from bands like The Assassins, Profiles, Masterminds. Now, the thing that I notice that's common with those three names, okay, and this is before Gary Walker, is in the 60s, the mid-60s, spy movies were the in thing. So all these names—the assassins, profiles, masterminds—all have a connotation. There was that kind of like the the theme that you guys were trying to convey back in the day.
2: You know, I've never I've never thought about that really. We're just looking for a cool name for a band, you know. Uh, we didn't particularly look at at, uh, at that that kind of motive, you know, motive behind it. We uh, just we thought, you know, at the time we anyway we thought the assassins was a cool name. When I joined
0: the group, which was
2: already called the Masterminds. Uh-huh. And, uh, but yeah, you're probably right. They were all in our consciousness. All the James Bond movies were coming out, all of So yeah, yeah, it
1: makes sense. By coincidence, you and some of the other band members are from Liverpool, which happens to be another little town that had another well-known band come out of there called The Beatles. And later, and we'll get into that in a second, but when you were younger... Who were some of the influences that got you into playing music?
2: Um, well, yeah, the, the, the initial thing, impact on me was Elvis Presley, and it was that record, Bruce Wayne Shoots, uh, which actually, and I've, I've got to say this, that record actually changed my life. I was 11 years old, this is 1958, and they played that record on the radio in England. And I immediately stopped being the little boy uh, playing with his bows and arrows and doing all that stuff and became... I went to the front parlor and got my brother's guitar on and started to teach myself to play. Um, And that's... I never looked back from there. I was a musician then. And uh, that's all I I really was interested in. Um, Every day, I practiced every day for four years, five years. And then... Somebody who had seen me play, you know, on the street corners and stuff, uh, they stopped me in the street in Liverpool, asked me if I was the kid they'd seen playing, and asked me did I have a guitar. And when I told them I did, they said, "You want to come and play with our band tonight?" And uh, I was away with the mixer band, just uh, went. You know, it was great.
1: And how old were you?
2: I was 15 when that happened, but I was 11 when I started.
1: Okay. So your brother actually played guitar a little bit, so he had a little influence on you, would you say?
2: Yeah, he did. Uh, particularly, uh, not, not the playing the influence, but the records he had were my basic tools for learning to play. You know, he had the Buddy Holly records, uh, a couple of, you know, Chuck Berry, um, stuff like that. Uh, but kind of at the time, that was his version of music, you know. Uh, and that's what I learned. It was unbelievable to me. You know, just all, all those great songs. And nice and nice and kind of rhythmic, beautiful beautiful rhythm and rock and music, you know. Uh, and that's what, that's what I grew up. With.
0: Yeah.
1: So basically, 50s American rock and roll slash doo-wop was kind of like the first music that you kind of played then? Yeah. Exactly. Okay.
2: Exactly. We learned those we learned those Buddy Holly songs uh, and we learned them no, for those who no ride anyway. Uh, and it stood me in good stead all that. You know, when I when I got to be in, in the in the uh, the Ivies and they, they they came back thing like. Uh when I was playing uh, lead guitar part on there, a lot of my stuff was based on what I'd learned in those days, how to put a solo together. Uh, use the chords of the song, you know things like that. Uh, and well, uh, I don't know. It's still still being good start uh, you know. Really, I've, I've never been lost for an idea uh, in terms of playing lead guitar in, in, in you know in, a, in an original song, you know.
1: So would you say would it be fair to say then that you were kind of like you played by ear, you were self taught by ear, you didn't take lessons initially or anything? Yes. Yeah, that's exactly what happened, yeah. Okay, so would, would it be fair to say that, you know, a lot of musicians, and I, it's kind of funny you mention that, because I know I do too, I, I mean, I, I studied a little bit, took a few cl- few lessons and stuff, I played the piano a bit, so when you play the piano, you have to learn, cor- uh, you know, how to read notes and stuff, but the guitar was just yeah. like, you play a few chords, you just, now you can play by ear, and I don't, it's kind of hard to explain, but a guitar just seems to be one of those instruments that you can play by ear. Well, yeah, yeah,
2: you can pick it up, and uh, once you learn uh, the, the one chord shape on a guitar, uh, like if you learn the E shape, mm-hmm. uh, you can move that shape up and down the neck. And uh, it's the same shape all the time. And then you learn to play bar chords. And now you can play in any key you want. Uh, and it's just a, a matter of learning a few basic shapes. Yeah, so.
1: All right, so That's now. Right, here. right, exactly. So now for our listeners that have just tuned in, and we're with uh, Joey Mullen, um, one of the original members of Badfinger, and uh, we're delighted to have him on the show this evening. But, Joey, tell us the story about how you came to be part of the Ivies, which ultimately became Badfinger. That's an interesting story. So, And it's purely by luck, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, the The... The Ivies uh, had been with Apple for a couple of years. Uh, They'd made a record or two, uh, but they never had any real success uh, with anything. And so one of the bass players did an interview one day, and they asked him what it was like working with the Beatles. And he said, well, it hasn't done us much good. (laughs) And so, yeah, that's what he said. Anyway, uh, the next day, uh, or a couple of days, uh, Paul McCartney, and this is what they told me, because I wasn't in the band at the time, of course, that, that Paul McCartney came around to their house and gave them a tape of the song, Come and Get It. Uh, and he said to them, Le- learn this song just the way it is on this tape. Uh, I'm going to come back in a week, and I'm going to take it in the studio, and I'm going to produce it for you. Uh, and it's going to come out, and it's going to be your first hit record. <laughs> you know, so, he did that, it, and he came back a week later. They had learned the song. He took them in the studio, uh, had each one of them sing the song, and uh, picked the, uh, one was, who was going to be the singer, and then they recorded it. Um, wrote the B-side in the studio, Rock of All Ages, and uh, the, record, the, the record was in the can. Uh, now, for, for one reason or another the bass player left uh, in the next kind of month. And they started looking for a bass player first. A friend of mine went for the job, you know, and uh, they told them they weren't looking for a bass player anymore because Tommy Evans, he decided he was going to play bass. And so they started looking for a guitar player. And my friend, who was auditioning as a bass player, he said, oh, call this guy, Joey Mullen. get in. And, <laughs> and so they did, they called me. Now, they'd auditioned a lot of people at the time, uh, maybe 20, 25 people. And uh, I came down, so I don't know whether they were fed up with auditioning people, but they gave me the job. So uh, the record came out a couple of months later. I was a huge hit all over the world. The band had changed the name of Badfinger then. And uh, that's that's the story. Uh, and then I was in I figured all through the all through those years uh, when we had all the hits and everything. Uh, and I wrote half of the songs. Uh, you know, just I don't know. it seemed to fit right in, I guess.
1: When they did, was, were you did when they cut the first um, demo, or actually the the first record that went that was sold to the public with. Uh, um, that song? Were you on that song at that point in time, or did they use the original recording with the original lineup before you got into the band?
2: Yeah, they used the original recording.
1: Okay. How did the name Badfinger come about? That's another interesting story. Kind of comical in a way, but
2: you know, it was Neil. It was Neil Aspinall mm-hmm. who suggested the name, and he told us that it was an old a blue An old blues record, Bad Finger Boogie, and uh, and that's what we took around for years, that's where we got the name, but but really the, the name came from, the Beatles had recorded with a little help from my friends, they'd recorded the a demo of it, and, and John played piano on it, and he wasn't the greatest pianist in the world, uh, so they called it Bad Finger Boogie, you know, he made a couple of mistakes in it, John did. Uh-huh. So they called it Bad Finger Boogie, and, and, and it just came into Neil's mind you know, while the band was looking for a name, and he suggested Bad Finger. So that's where it came from.
1: And the rest is history, as they say.
2: The rest is history, <laughs> yeah.
1: You know, you talk about some of the songs that you wrote off the second album, the song Sweet Tuesday Morning. that That's one of your songs, and your, and, and it's kind of an acoustic. I think that's one of your prettiest songs that you've written.
2: A lot of a lot of people have said that John, uh, uh, it was the first song of that type that I'd written, uh, and so thank you very much. I really appreciate that people like it. We did it for years in the original band. Uh did it pretty much at every show, uh, and I've done it, you know, over the years since. I don't do it so much now, but uh, you know, yeah. yeah, I wrote a lot of songs, John, and I'm happy to hear you say that.
1: No, it's a it's a beautiful song. In fact, there's a. Vi- I was watching a video of it earlier, and you're just so passionate about that song, and you're so sincere when you're seeing it. Because you know, a lot of times when you watch an artist, you know, they're express. You can tell when they really get into the song, when it really means something to them. So I don't know what was that song written about. Is there anything specific, or was it just a uh, just? Well, I, I,
2: I I'd, I'd fallen uh, I'd fallen for a girl on my first tour of America, uh, a girl I met here in Minnesota, Kathy Wiggins. And we'd been married uh, by then. I asked her to marry me quite shortly after that, and uh, uh, we, we we got married in 1972. And but anyway, I wrote the song really about Catherine and uh, about that period of my life. You know.
1: Wow, that's a dedication yeah. song then, truly. Really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Super, Joey. When you when you travel with you know when you were with the band back in the day, what was it like? Because uh when when apple's studios was in uh, and production was there you had a lot of uh when you when you went in the studios to to do your produce your songs who were some of the other people that were like i don't want to say sessions musicians but i'm sure there were some other well-known musicians that kind of sat in with you and and produced well, we, and played other instruments we we did we did the uh...
2: We did stuff with, with you know, different arrangers and stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. We
0: mainly
2: played uh, the instruments ourselves. You know, if you listen to those old Bad Finger records, they're pretty basic, pretty simple. Uh, we could all play piano a bit. Uh, we could sing all the things ourselves. So we didn't lose or use a lot of session people, other than if we had a bit of... Um, uh, you know, piano coming on in uh, that needed an excellent piano player, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, or an excellent horn player. We did use uh, a little bit later, you know, Bobby Tees and Jim Price. Jim Jim Horn came along and played sax and trumpet for us and stuff. Um, Leon Russell played with us on uh, Day After Day and a couple of other songs. He also told me that he loved the song that I'd written called Suitcase. Uh, he actually came up to me and uh, found, you know, picked me out and said, hey man, that song Suitcase is out. It's <laughs> great. So, yeah, that was lovely. When we were doing the, George Harrison produced us. Um, he produced five of the songs, I think, on uh, Straight Up, uh, which is our biggest album. Day After Day, uh, stuff like that. Uh, and we also did the, did the, you know, just Klaus Vormann came play and played bass on a song for us once. Uh, Klaus is, of course, the, you know, the major, the Beatles, who was a famous uh, German bass player and an artist. He did the, he drew the Revolver cover. Oh,
1: know, really?
2: The Beatles album. Cover. Yeah, he did that, yeah. So, you know, we had different people coming in now and again and did, did things with us, yeah.
1: So George Harrison you know, and Paul McCartney and people like Eric Clapton and Billy Preston, did they all sit in with you every once in a while and do some songs?
2: Uh, well, we, no. Our association with those guys was uh, we played on George Harrison's first solo album.
1: Oh, okay. You know,
2: Things Must Pass album. He asked us to come and play some acoustic guitars for it. So we were there for about three weeks, and during that time, of course, Eric was there playing guitar, Ringo was there, uh, George was there himself, of course, and Klaus They again, Billy Preston, uh, all of those guys. Uh, and then we, John Lennon asked us to come and play on the Imagine album. And, oh, wow. Uh, and we played, we played on a couple of songs for him there, A Jealous Guy, and uh, I Don't Want to Be a Soldier. And, and it was the same with that session, you know, there was, There was George uh, Addison, uh, John himself. Uh, Nicky Hopkins played piano, one of the great English uh, session pianists. Uh, Bruno, of course, played with the Rolling Stones and everything. Um, You know, so, uh, you know, there were always people like that around. The famous guys you've heard of Jim Keltner, the drummer, uh, who's pretty much played with everybody in the world. You know, so... unbelievable experience of meeting these people and you know what was funny about them they all I can't remember any of them not being kind of nice you know kind of ordinary in their way you know what I mean Because they were extra you know even Eric Clapton uh, you know he was was dead normal about it he loved playing the guitar and he'd come and show you his guitars you know and stuff I just got this you know and stuff be really excited about it. Um but so, that was the thing I really don't noticed about them. They all seemed like normal, bat normal guys.
1: Outside of 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 working in this production studio and doing songs and recordings, did you have an outside relationship with uh, anybody in the Beatles? I mean, George Harrison, Paul McCartney, John Lennon, anybody like that? Ringo?
2: Mm, no, the, the, uh, you know what? I when I was around these guys. I'd be really kind of nervous. Um, they just, you know, like the Beatles were kings of the world, you know. Uh, I just didn't think of us like in that way. You know, I thought of us as being like the little band, you know. And so it was hard for me to uh, get used to them and really relax with them like that and form uh, friendships with them. But I was so impressed with them as artists,
1: you know. Did, were you ever in a situation, did you... How much did you like learn from them in other words, you know these are experienced seasoned musicians that uh, used to be on the sh- on the road uh, doing stuff in production in, in, the, in the studios yeah. did you learn quite a bit from those guys too that you that carried you forward stuff that you use today
2: well, make, yeah making records yeah uh, you, know, you know arrangements and stuff like that simplicity um you know, I was astounded when I found out the uh, uh, the Beatles didn't just pop these songs out. Uh, you know, they they wrote songs every day, and they and they learned and they taught themselves the art of writing hit songs. You know.
1: Okay, now elaborate on that. When you say the art of writing a song, what what does that entail?
2: Well, it's. Um, you know, you know, you get ideas for songs, and and you'll write your lyrics, and you and you'll and the melody and all that stuff, and you'll you'll do the bridge all that stuff, and the arrangement, the introduction, the riffs, and the back. You know, it all comes to you during the process of recording it. You know,
0: mm-hmm. um,
2: and they they mastered the art of actually turning a song idea into a hit song. You know. Mm-hmm. And they, they would they would do it every day, and they would uh, pursue a song as far as they could maintain their own interest in it. You know? Yeah. And and and, and, and the ones that they didn't feel uh, they could they could make into a successful hit, or no, song, um, and that's why all those There's all those great songs on them. It was like one after another, and you would you could learn every one. You'd learn them really easy. You'd know the words, you'd know the melody, you'd know the key even uh, from them. And that was because just how good they did it. You know, it was, I mean, they were great songwriters to start with, but they actually learned to, to write hit songs, you know? You can't, those words don't work. People aren't going to get them, you know what I mean?
1: So it's like, so what you're saying basically is they had a formula that just somehow seemed to work.
2: Well, you know, I'd hesitate to call it a formula, but they they knew what they were doing so well uh, that they could apply it to any song. Uh
1: Uh-huh. You know? When
2: they... Um, You know, take it, you know, just... (laughs)
1: It great, <laughs> the song come and get it okay so that was the first song and he and 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 paul mccartney as well as john lennon were known throughout the 60s to actually write songs for other artists and so yeah, yeah. outside of that song did they write any other ones for you because quite frankly in 1971 when that song came out i was i had just moved to florida and i was living in europe at the time as a matter of fact and uh So, with my family, because I lived in in Austria and Italy, and uh, so that song came out, and the first time I heard it, I said, whoa, the Beatles, I thought they broke up, and then I find out it's Badfinger, and you guys sounded so much alike, and I guess, was that ever uh, something you guys had to deal with, or was that something that you took in stride and it was fine?
2: Well, we we, we did have to deal with it. we, we thought it was a bit weird because we admired and loved the Beatles so much uh, that we could we didn't think of ourselves as being able to sound like that. Uh, of course, we were influenced them, uh, by them, rather. Uh, you know, you, you just couldn't help being influenced by them because they were so big and around there on the radio all day. So uh, there were natural things that we did uh, like they did, plus... We were involved with them, you know. Paul produced, come and get it. Uh, so, you know, even <laughs> it would naturally sound like that. And so, uh, we just absorbed it. We were like big sponges. You know what I mean?
1: When in the sixties, we,
2: we never compared ourselves to them. We? Well, uh, 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 but people said that we going to sound like the Beatles, man.
1: Well, I tell you what, you, your sound was excellent, it really is a little different, you have your own sound, you have your own band, you made your mark, I mean, you guys, you know, you know—you—you—you—you you, you just pat yourself on the back, because you guys did a great job. But a question that I have is also, is in the 60s, when you started playing guitar, so in the early 60s, 63, 64 is when the Beatles really started making it big, I don't know if you ever got a chance yeah. to see them when they were in Liverpool, before they moved to London, but when you heard their songs and by then you were playing guitar already did you guys play any beatles covers when you were with those bands the assassins and the uh masterminds and the oh, profiles uh,
2: yeah the, well no, the assassins i was in, in like 1960 1960 uh one uh, was, was when i was still in school, okay you know so uh the beatles hadn't really made it then right you'd see them in liverpool saw them once twice. Uh, there were a lot of bands going uh Liverpool. My, my favorite band was a band called the Nomads. Uh, they were like a five-piece, uh, six-piece rhythm and blues band who later became the Mojos uh, and had a few big hits. Uh, anyway, but, uh, uh, you know... <sighs> I forgot, I've lost me, lost
1: me. The, the question was, is when you first started playing, so like in the mid-60s, after the Beatles were kind of like well-known, and you were with some of the other yeah. bands, did you play any of their Beatle covers, songs? I mean, any of the songs? Yeah, uh, no, no, not really. Really? Uh, the, yeah,
2: uh, we played, uh, like in the Masterminds, uh, when I was when I started really playing around town, uh, around Liverpool, I mean, we played stuff, like Motown, we played uh, Stax music. Um, you know, you've lost that loving feeling, that kind of thing. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, um, and we played, we played all that kind of stuff, all the Chuck songs, of course, uh, and just kind of beat group music. Uh, but we didn't cover the Beatles. Uh, it we, the Beatles were like a. Um, they were like a pop band. You know, in those days, we really didn't do. That
1: kind of music. You know? So if you were to emulate a band I mean, you know, back then, so you were more or less, let's say, uh, well, Cream wasn't really there yet, but let's say the Standels or let's just say some of the other kind of rock and roll band. Well, uh, uh, Eric Burton and the Animals, they were out in the early 60s. They were kind of like a, yeah. a rock band. Did they have any influence on you? <laughs>
2: Example: uh, Eric Burton, the Animals. Not
1: really. Not really. No? Not really. But I know the, I know the Animals. I know who they
2: are. And, and everything, but they were another local band from up in Newcastle, you know. Uh-huh. We were all just local bands, uh, and, and really kind of interpreting American music uh, the way, like in, in my case, the way a Liverpool band would play it. We played the music a little bit harder, a little bit louder, uh, you know, just, just a little bit punchier the, 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 the way we played in Liverpool, uh, so, uh. You know that's, that's that's all I can tell you about that. We just played the way we played naturally. Uh, it was it wasn't like uh, it, it, well, it wasn't like we were trying to copy them. Uh-huh. Although I was I was I was trying to learn to play like James Baird. I was trying to learn to play like Steve Cropper. Uh, I was trying to learn to play rhythm uh, like Chuck Berry. Uh-huh. I was trying to learn to play, you know, I was trying to learn to play guitar, you know. Uh, Rhythm guitar, uh, the Motown rhythm players, and all that stuff. Uh, Steve Cropper and the choppy style and the little little punchy little licks that they put in there. And started to bend strings, uh, which was a thing that didn't really happen. You know, if you didn't listen to blues, uh, and I didn't listen to blues, um, rhythm and blues, far as strip sh- belly in that, I thought was a lot more... I don't know. It sounded a lot more sophisticated to me. I just enjoyed it a lot more. And I, the first blues I had was, you know, Sonny Terry and Brownie McGee uh, uh, kind of thing, like la- rural blues, acoustic blues. Uh-huh. It wasn't. It didn't get old to me. It didn't get old to me the way it did, did it? with some people. Uh, you know, it wasn't until I heard BB B. King that I actually uh, started to pay attention to it. To, to to that form, you know? Um, but we were we were basically teenagers, and we wanted to rock, you know?
1: Was it hard for you guys to get gigs back then? No. Not really? It
2: wasn't. Uh, uh, no, no. Uh, when I joined the Masterminds, they were the house band at the Blue Angel, uh, which was, uh, kind of a famous club in Liverpool, uh-huh. a late-night club. And uh, the big stars used to come down there, uh, after their shows at the Empire and all that, and uh, they come down there for a couple of drinks, relax after the show. So Bob Dylan in there one night. Oh uh, really? I'll tell you. I'll tell you a story. We were playing there one night. We used to do a Bob Dylan song called "She Belongs to Me," and uh, the mastermind I'm talking about. Right. And we were playing down in down, down in the basement, just playing a shot, and in came the Rolling Stones, and. Uh, of course, Andrew Lou Goldham who was their manager, was with them. And uh, during the set we played, she belonged to me. And he came over to us after we'd finished. And he said that was really great. And he introduced himself, and uh, he said, "Would you like to come to London to make a record of that?" And of course, we—you we, we, we you know, we'd never heard anything like that in our life uh, so to go and do that. We'd never had an offer, eh? and. Uh, of course, we were mad. yeah, yeah, we want to come. So we took us down and we made a record of that song. Uh, came out about 64, I think. So maybe maybe a little before that. And uh, yeah, it did okay. You know, it didn't get in the top 10 or anything. But, but it sold okay and it did okay. I got to do live TV. And we did Ready, Steady, Go. Um, and all of that stuff. And then we started to play around the country. That was that when was my first kind of road experience happened, you know? Um, but just amazing uh, that they would come down there that night and hear us play that song, and that led to a recording career, you know?
1: Wow, absolutely, absolutely treasure stories, uh, Joey. I mean, just incredible. I mean, when you look back and reflect on your life, you go, wow, you got to pinch yourself and say, I can't believe I was there, particularly during the 60s. That was just an amazing time.
2: Where... It was uh, the the music was was just getting harder and louder, and I, mean, I think a few years after that, uh, I got a, a a band called the Beats from Liverpool broke up. Uh, they were quite big in the sixties, and uh, the two singers, Billy Kinsley, Tony Crane, uh, bass player and guitar player, uh, they decided to be. Uh, to form a singing duo just with the two of them and they came to Liverpool to find a backing group and uh, I got the job playing guitar in the band, right? And so now their manager was Kit Lambert who managed The Who Kit Lambert and Chris Stamp they were The Who's managers and The Who had just come out uh, you know, my generation I can't explain and, uh, incredible, incredible uh, music incredible records um, I've seen them on the on the cabin actually playing at the cavern of who and uh fantastic but all of a sudden I'm in the mersey's backup band and uh, I'm working with the who yeah wow doing all these shows with the who during that period and um, I don't know maybe the best band in the world you know uh Live, uh, to see a Who show in those days was really, really extraordinary. Townsend, uh, Dalton, Top of His Form, uh, just fantastic. Uh, so I got all, all of this experience going on. Actually, we recorded some songs back then. I wrote a couple of songs. And uh, that was my first experience doing that. I met Nicky Hopkins then, uh, the pianist I was talking to, uh, played on the John Lennon record. Um, I started to meet people in London. Anyway, I met Brian Ogre, and, and you know, just 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 you know, famous musicians, really famous, and uh, just it was fantastic for a guy, you know, my age. I was I don't know seventeen, six, eight, sixteen. You know, it uh, was unbelievable. Just and,
1: unbelievable, incredible stories, Joey. We are up against the clock right now, so we're about out of time. So let me ask you this real quick: If people want to find out more about you, how do they go about doing it?
2: Yeah, well, well, we have a website. There. I go out with a the band there, uh, Joey Mullins, Badfinger. Uh, I'm going to be doing solo performances myself. Uh, well, I shouldn't say solo, but storyteller shows,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
2: full production shows. And uh, but if you want to know anything about me. Uh, the Badfinger uh, has information about shows, and that's all one word: Badfinger Site. Super. Um, and I guess I got a, face on page, uh, a thing on Facebook. Uh, Joey Mullin uh, um, is my name up there, and uh, yeah, you know, just just the normal sources. Uh, I don't. I've got a Twitter account, but I don't use it much, um, and I've got you know,
1: some
2: of the other stuff.
1: <laughs> Mainly through the Bad Finger sites is where I go, you know. Super. Well, Joey, I want to thank you very much for hanging out with us here and telling us some stories um, about Bad Finger and uh, the good old days and some of the early days. We truly, truly enjoyed it. We'd love to have you back again. If you do come to Florida, make sure you let us know. Because um, if you're going to be in concert here anywhere, you know we'll definitely help cross promote with you. And again, we wish you all the best luck. And uh, you know, thank you again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank okay. you very much.
2: Superman. I hope I hope you you know I hope your listeners enjoyed it. Yeah, we'll be round. I'll be round. All right. I will, I will get in touch when i
1: come there. Good. 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 Maybe by then I'll be good enough. We can jam together. I want to thank my special. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want to thank my very special guest, Joy Molland part of the original classic lineup of Badfinger, one, one of the greatest bands that came out of England in, uh, in the early 70s. Hey, guys, I want you to be sure to check us out every every Tuesday between 7 and 8 p.m. on the Tantalk Radio Network. Don't forget to tell your friends to tune in as well. I want to see you guys at some of the car shows. And, uh, you know, hey, music and cars, that's what we're all about. And guitars. In the meantime, everybody, stay safe, drive carefully, and love your family. <music>